Uh, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch podcast. I'm Matt. I'm your host, and with me this week are my two fantastic co-hosts, Liz Harper and Joe Perez. Sorry that I hiccuped there. That was awful. Um, <laughs> you guys say hi, greet people, talk, you know, do a brief thing, and we'll we'll, we'll go into the the top stories because there's quite a bit to talk about. There is. Hello. Also, hi. I got nothing. That's all. I'm just saying hello. You told me to say hello. I did the thing, Matt. I heard you, man. The problem is that I have to turn the master volume down on the game so people can hear us and not the sweeping music of Stormwind. Uh, so I was hoping to get a little bit more time to do that. Anyway, there, we did. We can now talk about the various things that are going on, including the first thing we're going to talk about just because it took me by such surprise. Uh, Hearthstone Mercenaries is going into maintenance mode, which, I mean, I guess I... I I didn't see this coming. Uh, Joe, I don't think you ever played it or cared about it. Not uh, really. But Liz, I know you did at least a little. Uh, why don't you talk a little bit about what you felt about hearing this? And then I'll talk about what I felt because, you know, probably we're equally surprised. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was surprised. But also, I kind of hated Hearthstone Mercenaries. Like, it was it was uh, reasonable fun but the gameplay loop was to grind a lot or to spend a lot of money so you did not have to grind so much i think and that, um, that's something i want to talk to i'm gonna to try to remember to come back on that go ahead i mean that's that was kind of the whole problem with the mode was it felt like a game built to extract money for you from you not a game built to have and it had many, many microtransactions that they would continually push on you. Every hero, you had to collect them, and you collected each hero from uh, buying card packs, which would contain mercenaries, and they were random. <laughs> so you would keep buying card packs, hoping you got the appropriate mercenaries, and then each mercenary had to be leveled individually, and their skills had to be leveled individually, and leveling their skills cost mercenary coins, but there weren't just a single set of mercenary coins. There were like Gina coins and Illidan coins, and it's just everyone had their own special coins, and you needed to collect hundreds and hundreds of these coins. I think, uh, a thousand, two thousand, something like that, to level your mercenary to max. And uh, you know, each mission you did in mercenaries, you would complete it, and you might get twenty coins. <laughs> and the coins were semi-random; like they could drop each mission had a specific hero they would drop coins for. And you would just you would do these missions, which would take you like maybe twenty minutes to get all the way through, and then you would get twenty coins and then you would have to do that like 30, 40 times to get enough coins to completely level everything up. It was it was such a grind. And I mean, you needed really specific combinations of mercenaries, specific compositions to defeat different challenges in the game. And if you didn't have that mercenary or you didn't have them leveled up, then it's like, okay, I'm going back to the beginning and I'm doing the grind and it could, it would take forever. But yeah. uh, Mercenaries was constantly pushing, oh, hey, if you just give me some money, I can give you those coins you need to level up. Just, just hand over a little bit of cash. And it's like the gameplay loop was not satisfying enough to where you're like, okay, I'm going to spend the money and level this up because it's just tomorrow you're going to be back in the same place and you have to start over with a new mercenary. Ugh, yeah. It was crazy making. Here's, here's what I was thinking um, the other day. I, I, not the other day. like this. It was today, but it feels like another day. Um, 
I was thinking about it when I was thinking about the news and I was like reading um, Phil's post about it and thinking, you know what it was like? It was like someone came into my house as I was playing mercenaries. I was like, hey, I see you're enjoying uh, Hearthstone mercenaries there. It'd be a shame if several hundred hours of grinding kept you from enjoying it, wouldn't it? But I can fix that for you for a price. It's like, I seriously, the game is shaking me down. There's a, it's, it's running a protection racket on me to get me to pay it. So I didn't have to play it. And it's like, I have an easy way to not have to play you. And that's to not play you. Like there's, there's always a risk with this kind of thing where you're trying to make it. So the, the, you need the grind to be really addictive to people because if you're trying to get people to pay you to skip it, you need them to really want to play the game. Not just think it's kind of fun and see where it goes. This is what happened in both Diablo Immortal and with Hearthstone Mercenaries for me. I got to a point where I could no longer justify the amount of effort I was putting in to try and squeeze some fun out of this. Because I wasn't paying yeah. for either of them. So it's like, okay, at this point, I have crushed my hand bloody and I'm not getting any more fun out of this game. Like The, the stone has been squeezed. I'm done. And... That's the issue. That's the thing you have to worry to worry about in this kind of thing. When you're trying to design these games, you have to make them fun enough that people will see this as an a little bit of spice to make it go a little better, and not as being basically threatened that you know you'll continue this grind until you give us money. Because if that's the case, I can just stop. There are other games. I can find something else to play. I don't have to play Hearthstone Mercenaries. You you know what I mean? Like, it's not like it has a robust community of friends that's going to make me come back. You know, World of Warcraft, World of Warcraft could hold my friends list over my head. You don't have a friends (laughs) list, mercenaries. But yeah, I I think that's that was my take, uh, that it was really just either you needed to make it like more fun to play or you needed to make it less grindy uh, if you wanted to try this approach. But I am still surprised because it's only been out for like, what, a year? Um, I think longer than that. But Like, the thing that I find most surprising about them closing this down is that they've been doing a lot of updates to it. They've been doing a lot of, like, full-fledged content updates that they have not been skimping on development of this. And even when they announced it's going into maintenance mode, it's with a big update that changes up, that's adding, like, six new heroes, it's adding a new type of of, uh, gameplay encounter, it's... Uh, dividing minions into factions clearly, which that was always kind of a problem with the game, that uh, certain certain things would affect or buff people of, like, the Alliance or the Horde or, you know, like, different types like that, and they weren't clearly indicated. So now minions are all clearly divided into factions, and there are new factions and different things that affect those factions. And it's like, hey, this is actually... This is a really cool update. We're getting a lot of neat things. And down there at the very bottom of the post, they're like, yeah, this is going to be the last update we're doing. <laughs> so it it just seemed, it seemed really out of the blue because they yeah. have been working hard on making this a better game. And they have actually yeah. since launch, they have improved a lot. I'm, I'm sure they have. It's just an interesting example of that whole idea of the bad launch and can you overcome it? Uh, you know, player expectation. I mean, We've seen it before. I don't, I don't I say it was a bad really launch. Had, yeah, yeah. It's I don't just, think it had a bad launch. Just they've they've really improved it as it went. They've refined it and made it better, more fun, easier to advance. Because like one of the things when it launched, one of the ways to level your mercenaries, well, the primary way to level everyone up was to do these quests. And every day you would get a certain number of random quests for a random mercenary. 
but like today you might get a random quest for this guy and you would complete that and then you would get a random quest for a different guy the next day so leveling one mercenary was really really hard yeah i want to level just, my get, yeah I want to level my yeah, Hammer Girl, but I can't because I don't keep not getting quests <laughs> for Hammer Girl. I'm sorry, that's what I call her, just Hammer Girl. So I, I I liked Hammer Girl, um, but I you know, so. At some point, they changed that to where if you get the first quest, once you complete the first quest, you'll get the second one and the third one and the you know until you finish their entire quest chain. And it's like that's that's a really good idea. That makes it a lot easier to advance and to collect all your mercenary coins, which you got from quest rewards. I mean, they've really done some good things with the game, but now eh, the party's over. This has me wondering, and uh, I think Joe can actually comment on this one. How much of this do you think is aimed at the the idea that Hearthstone is less a card game nowadays and more multiple games, like like a trench coat situation? Like, do you think that there's just, like a certain amount of let's get back to designing like systems we know people are enjoying and that are integral to the brand, for lack of a better word? Like, you know, this is a card game, so we're going to work on the actual card game stuff. And Battlegrounds, we don't understand how that got popular in the first place, but we're going to ride it because it is. <laughs> like, do, do you, what do you think on that one? I mean, there's possibly some of that. It's also possibly some of this just isn't working and we need to put our eggs somewhere else. Or I don't know. I've always, always weird to me. I've talked about this before with, with Hearthstone being, you know, 12 games in a trench coat. Um you know, it seems to lack sort of that focus. And I think part of the charm that made Hearthstone as good as it was the first time around and what it made it such a popular uh, game was it was a simple, addictive card game that had a low barrier to entry. And so people could play it on their mobile devices. They could play it for 10 minutes at a time. They could, you know, play it when they were doing nothing else or, or whatever the case is and just had a few minutes to, to, to spare and kill. And adding these modes in kind of takes away from that, right? Like Liz is talking about how grindy it was. I think that that plays a huge factor in it. And I think uh, that maybe it's a cost analysis of, is this too grindy for our, our average player? Was the engagement not what we thought it was going to be? And the answer is probably no, it probably wasn't what they wanted. So they moved, they're moving away from it. Like I'm not, I would not be surprised if it was just quote unquote underperforming because of how it was designed and thus getting put into maintenance mode where people who enjoy it, because there are people who do enjoy it, can keep playing what they have, but there's no active development anymore because they need to put resources, like you said, Matt, maybe back into the core of the game, make it enjoyable again. Uh, especially now, because there's a lot of card games coming out. Like, I was just talking about the the new Magic the Gathering release that just happened, you know, a couple days ago at this point. And we have Disney's game coming out, Lorcana, relatively soon. Uh, we have we have Magic the Gathering's arena f uh, that's becoming incredibly popular and one of the most popular mobile card game things out there right now. Like there's a lot of things that are, are competition for Hearthstone in the very, very near future. So maybe focusing on the core card mechanics of it and the core gameplay that made popular in the first place isn't necessarily a bad idea. I'm going to say one of those competitors is Marvel Snap. Uh, Liz, you've been playing Marvel Snap, right? Uh, yeah, I've been playing more of it lately. I'm not really far along in the game, but yeah, I've been playing some. I think I saw you um, in work chat talking about how the monetization for Marvel Snap isn't much different than, say, uh, Diablo Immortal or even Hearthstone Mercenaries. But Snap seems to not have be having the problem of, of people not being willing to put up with it. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that or am I just nuts? 
No, I mean, I think it's weird because Snap does do a lot of these things that we find annoying about monetization and other games. You have a daily free reward, but you have to go into the shop and claim it, and it gives you a little notification. Come over into the shop and get your daily reward, and you have to... It's not like at the top of the shop, you have to scroll through all of these things they're tempting you to buy, including a $100 bundle of in-game currency, which a lot of mobile games have huge bundles for in-game currency, and I can't imagine dropping $100 on any mobile game in-game currency. But that's another thing. Um, it has you advance through the game by upgrading your collection level. And as you upgrade your collection level, you collect random cards, but you're going to eventually hit a difficulty level where you need different cards. Any card game has, it's like you need certain decks, certain compositions, which are really going to be strong. And if you don't hit the good luck and get those cards as you advance your collection level, it's you're just going to be out of luck. And you also, you advance your collection level, you collect, uh, you get a card, and then you like level up that card. And each time you level up the card, it gets more expensive. So it like, it gets harder to advance as you continue and you collect new cards, of course, which start at their basic level. And you advance those new cards up to get more collection levels to unlock more cards. But it, it does turn into a big grind that you could bypass that all if you just paid a little bit of money or maybe a whole lot of money. So it it feels like a really, this is like your really common mobile game mechanic is you want a game that is fun enough that people are going to go in and want to keep playing it and they enjoy playing it so much they will actually want to pay you money so they don't have to do the boring parts, but they can do the fun parts. And this is I actually guess, yeah. something I'm... This is something I'm really worried about with uh, Warcraft Arclight Rumble, which is still in beta. We haven't heard much about it lately because I've I've done some beta testing for Arclight Rumble and it is super fun. The game is so much fun. I love playing this game, but you hit these like breakpoints, like hard walls where it like the difficulty ramps up or you need really specific compositions of heroes and minions to get past this. Or you need to level things up. But it's all kind of random what minions you can buy. It's random which minions you get quests for so you can level them up and make them more powerful. And, of course, all of that is something you can bypass by spending a little bit of money. And, uh, I mean, that one may actually hit kind of a sweet spot for Blizzard. Maybe not for us. Because it is fun enough that you want to you know, get that edge and get that advancement without grinding. So I think it's really tempting to spend money there. And uh, so I kind of I, I kind of have a lot of trepidation about that one. That leads me to ask this question that I just occurred to me as you were talking. Um, how, how similar was Mercenaries and Ar Arcolite Rumble in terms of what they're actually getting you to do? I know the gameplay is different, but it's still basically, you know, get these random people and fight battles with them, right? Um, I haven't... Yeah, Disclaimer, I have not gotten to play Arclight Rumble. <laughs> I mean, if you break it down to its base level, it's like, yes, you're collecting a team, you're building this team of minions that are going to go fight an enemy team. But uh, uh, in Hearthstone Mercenaries, it did go very much on kind of the card-style gameplay, where you're like, it's turn-based, and 
you're you're playing your different minions, you're picking which abilities they use each turn. In Arclight Rumble, it's um it's not turn-based for one. It's all happening live and your your minions are going up and fighting and you kind of set them on a path and they go that way and you can tell them to do specific things at specific points. You can kind of you can send them choose to send them one direction or the other but they're kind of they're kind of doing their own thing you you just sort of you set them down and let them go and you have a few choices and uh sometimes that works better for you than others but it's a lot uh it's a much more fast paced because it's live and you know there's always something happening there's always a little bit of action going on but do you think maybe it's possible that one of the reasons we got this announcement was because blizzard was like oh, look we we have two games and we really we want development on this new one coming out to be good. Maybe they're throwing resources that way. Maybe they've decided to like stop doing mercenaries for that reason. I mean, I don't know. I'm just at this point, I'm just yeah. looking for some kind of. I yeah. I see what you're saying, but I I I would lean against that just because they are super different. Even if on the base level they sound similar, they play very differently. Uh, one That's of the right. things the Hearthstone team team said is that they are going to focus more on the standard construction constructed mode and uh battlegrounds which battlegrounds is super popular right now so uh, maybe we'll see more development happening there uh one of the things phil talked about and i am actually really excited about this possibility is maybe they'll revive dungeon runs which were a single player game mode where you progressed through, you know, a dungeon fighting various enemies and you selected random abilities as you went and you built your deck as you went. And those were super fun. But when they rolled out mercenaries, they're like, yeah, we aren't going to develop this. We're working on this mercenaries thing. So weren't they, I remember the I, I remember the one where you fought the Lich King. Uh, yes, that's the one I remember really strongly. That's um, uh, that's a single a single. OK. <laughs> We've we've talked about how Hearthstone is thirty games in a trench coat. Yeah. This this is another. This is a way where you're you're gonna see that. Uh, so like the you fight the Lich King. That was kind of a single player adventure thing. Dungeon runs, and there were a few variations on this. Uh, the Witchlight. Oh wow, Witchlight. Yeah. That's not the right word. Uh, Y'all know, know what I'm talking, talking about. about. Yeah. Witchwood. <laughs> I believe it's Witchwood or something. Witchwood. Yes. Um. That that had a dungeon run. But basically, you go and each boss you defeat, you get a selection of new cards you can add into your deck, and you get a selection of new treasures you can add into your deck. It was all random, and you could get combinations that were really amazing and overpowered, or you could get combinations that were terrible. And you would go through the dungeon and, you know, build as you went, and if you lost, you'd go and you'd start over with a new deck, and gain new abilities as you went. So that was always really fun. And it was really replayable because every time it was a little different, they sort of have that gameplay right now in a mode called duels, which they have not talked about very much in quite a while. But duels is a PVP game mode where each player is individually like building their decks as they go. And uh, it's fun, but I, I find it tiresome after a while. And uh but then there's also Arena, which is kind of like that, where you build a deck based on random cards you're presented at the beginning, and you're playing against another human opponent, except with Arena, you build your deck initially, and then you play with that same deck throughout. With Duels, you get a few initial cards, and then you add cards to them. Each victory, you get new cards or new treasures, 
And you see what I'm saying? It's very complicated how many Hearthstone yeah. game modes there are. So maybe it's I for wonder the best, how many yeah. people I, I wonder how many people really understand how much is going on in this game. And you know, maybe they do need to focus. It does kind of feel like sometimes they throw out a new game mode and then they ignore it. Oh yeah, you were just I, talking about like you were just talking about the dungeon thing and and I brought up something that wasn't the dungeon thing that I thought was the yeah. dungeon thing because they have so many things. But yeah, I, there, I think there are so many things. Yeah, I think at this point though, we could end up this with this being the the Hearthstone podcast. Yeah, I don't, not necessarily yeah, against that, but we should probably talk about at least a couple other things. Diablo two is going to have its patch two point six on uh, the sixteenth of February, and that's also when the latter season three is going to start. Uh, we actually had a bit of back and forth on that back in this is some inside baseball. We were trying to figure out if they did that for Diablo two because they don't do that for Diablo three, and we were like, I, I mean, I think they do, but. We eventually did figure out that, yes, they do do that. Um, and what's interesting about the the new season, season three is also going to be when we get the new rune words. There's, a, a, a I think, about eight total, maybe more, uh, coming in. That's that's some interesting new gameplay for Diablo 2. Uh, that's really just kind of cool to me that Diablo 2's patch 2.6 is coming. It's going to have a new ladder season. It's going to have new content. Uh, in the form of these new rune words. This is a game that came out in 2000. Um, so yeah, yep. it is interesting to see this. Joe, I know you've played a lot more Diablo 2 than I have, and I've played a fair amount. Um, where do you see this going? Like, Are, are we going to see like more patches for Diablo 2? Do you think it's going to just keep being developed like this? I think if it continues to be as popular as it is, which it is fairly popular from my understanding, I think it would not be out of the possibility of it continuing to receive... Uh, periodic updates like this or continued development. I think that it's, I personally think it's a good idea if you like you have the bandwidth to do so because there's Diablo 2 is, is what I would refer to as almost an evergreen game, right? Uh, even though it's almost 23 years old, 25 years old at this point, like it's, it's old. What they did with the updating it, bringing it over to be able to play on the, the new network standards that we have and everything else revitalized the game that was a lot of people's like just absolute favorites. Um, and I know I've heard some people talk about like, well, you know, continue to develop it is like continuing to develop its, its own competition for Diablo four. And it's like, no, they're, they're still two completely different games and not everybody who wants to play like, and I use Diablo three as an example, Diablo three tends to be a lot more frantic of a pace. Um, it's not necessarily as deliberate of a dungeon crawl uh, as Diablo 2 and certainly not as much as Diablo 1 was. And Diablo 2 is sort of that sweet spot between how slow Diablo 1 was and how fast Diablo 3 is. And I don't think Diablo 4 is going to be any slower than than Diablo 3 was. So I personally think it's a good idea if they were to keep uh, putting some effort into this because then you still those players that don't want something necessarily as as frantic or as hectic as Diablo three or four playing your content and consuming it. And invariably those are people that spend money on your, you know, various offerings. So mm -hmm. I, I will say this as somebody who played a demo that's at this point, four years old, um, I would have called the Diablo four style punctuated equilibrium where it sometimes plays a little sl like slower than Diablo three and then goes into a, Oh God, all my stuff is up boom mode. And then it goes back to, being a little bit slow. but again four years ago so take it take it with a grain. this does lead me though into this idea that you could theoretically actually have four diablo games in development at once mm -hmm. this year because 
the other thing, while we know about Diablo 2's season, we know when it's going to be. It's going to be on the 16th. We don't know when Diablo 3 is going to have its patch for season 28. The 2.7.5 PTRs, I think, ending as we're recording this. Um, it will end mm-hmm. today. Unless, of course, some huge bug comes up and they have to roll it on. But it doesn't look like that's happening. Season 28 is going to be incredibly complex season. It's it's like you talk about the metagame for seasons. The met, season 28 has a metagame for its metagame. Um, so it's possible this is the it, this is it for Diablo 3 development. But it's also possible it isn't because a lot of people still play it. Like a lot of people are playing Diablo 3. I, I play Diablo 3 routinely. I've done... I, I haven't done every season since season 14, but I've done close to all of them. Uh, so yeah, it, it is interesting to me to think that I'm going to throw that to you guys. Uh, uh, let Joe go first. And then Liz, do you think that there could actually sustain Diablos two, three and four and immortal all being developed at once? Do you think that that's possible? Mm, probably not all of them. Then the question becomes, what do you put your, your effort into? And I think you look at what players are playing the most and what's getting you the most I, from a corporate level, they'd say return on investment, but you, you got to look at what players are actually playing, right? So if Diablo four comes out and people stop playing Diablo three at such a large level uh, compared to like, you know, now, obviously, then do you continue to put a lot of development time into it or do you walk that back and maybe not put it into development mode, but maybe the updates come a little bit further between each other. Uh, if it turns out that Diablo 2 Remastered is the most played Diablo game, do you put more resources behind it? it? It's questions that I don't know the answers to from a corporate standpoint because I don't know what the initiative is behind Diablo. Do they want it to be, in, you know, are they looking at profits like they did when Diablo 3 first released? Are they looking at player engagement? Are they looking at, uh, you know, long-term viability of the game? So... I don't know, but I think it's you You look at what players are playing and you actively develop for where the player base is and, you know, maybe take a look at the other ones and don't sunset them, but step away from them and make them not as higher priority to update, if that makes sense, unless there's a bug. Yeah, I think it makes sense. Liz? Um, I think they're definitely going to keep Diablo 2, 2 running and with updates. I mean, they aren't doing huge revolutionary updates to Diablo 2 but they are spending some development time and they're keeping seasons going and they're, they are making changes to the game, which is super interesting and fun that they're continuing forward development. And I also think Diablo two is different enough that you can do that and, you know, still have something unique when uh, Diablo four comes out. I would think they're going to, they're going to look at conversions. You know, how many people are going from Diablo three to Diablo four? How many people are still playing Diablo 3? Because we're probably going to still have season 28 going on when we get to Diablo 4. Are people still playing this? Are people still interested in playing this? And if people are, like if there's if there's a split in the player base, maybe you do keep doing Diablo 3 seasons. Diablo 3 has not had a huge, de- does not have a huge development cycle. It's like every three or four months they add a new feature and it's a cool new season and it's fun. So, I mean, I just think it depends. If they find a lot of people are still playing Diablo 3, maybe they decide, okay, we're going to sink some resources into making another Diablo 3 season. But I think if everyone moves to Diablo 4 or the gameplay loop of Diablo 4 feels really similar to Diablo 3, then they, you know, Diablo 3 may go out uh, into maintenance mode itself and take a long, 
a long nap. Of course, Diablo 2, the original Diablo 2, was still running when they put out Diablo 2 Resurrected. It could potentially just hang out and be a game that people keep playing, even though there's no active development. Yeah, I mean, and one of the things that I keep thinking about is uh, um, the idea that you could theoretically see uh, people there. Are, I don't know how to put this without sounding like I'm, I'm, I'm bagging on them <laughs> and that's not the case, but which, which hunter, not which hunter, which doctor and demon hunter players are not happy that they're not going to get to be in Diablo uh, four. Mm, that's true. And you think that which doctors are the least played class because they are, but the people who do play them absolutely love them. And it's like, could Diablo 3 be sustained entirely on the spite of, of you know, <laughs> which doctor players? I, I it, Who knows? I mean, it, I don't know how many there are, but yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that I, I have been thinking of. But yeah, the, the idea that we could have multiple, you know, of course, with the way NetEase and stuff is going with that, maybe Diablo Immortal is the one that's not going to be around. Uh, yeah. That is, that is actually a really good point, too. We don't know what Diablo Immortal is going to look like in this coming year and, and how that's going to shake out, especially because, I mean, the the Chinese and the Asian market is really big for Immortal. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's it's not an insignificant portion of the uh, their player base, so it's something yeah. to watch. One, one thing we don't know is we don't know when Blizzard's contract with NetEase expires. We don't know when that's going to be an issue for Diablo. Or anyone out there listening who has not been keeping up, Blizzard's operations in China have ceased, except for Diablo Immortal, because their contract with NetEase expired for all of those games. So you can't play World of Warcraft. You can't play Overwatch in China. It's just these games don't exist. They need a Chinese partner to distribute their games. And uh, right now they don't have one. But Diablo Immortal was under a different licensing agreement. And so it is still running. So, I mean, maybe that's maybe that's not going to be an issue for several more years. We don't know. It's entirely possible because NetEase developed it, uh, that mm-hmm. the contract yeah. is significantly different in other ways as well. We, we don't know. Perhaps it's more perhaps it's more lucrative for NetEase. They might be getting more out of it. Uh, I think the big the big stumbling block on the licensing agreement was money, as is often the case. So who knows? We, we do not know. It's just something to think about as we go in the future. But uh, I should mention, since we just talked about it briefly, Overwatch Season 3 is starting today as we're recording this, February 7th. Um, a lot of stuff in that. Uh, I saw the Amaratsu skin for Kiriko. Uh, it's Kiriko, right? It's not Kimiko. I always want to call it Kiri- Kiriko. Yeah. Kiriko yeah. So there's an Amaratsu skin for her, which is interesting because they had the Olympus thing fairly recently, and now they're they're pulling in gods from other religious and mythological traditions which is you know no problem for me i'm i'm happy for that let's let's get some celtics and, and egyptian stuff up there but I, I we know that they're bringing the credits back we talked about that last week i think it's all you know time melts into like a rich porridge in my head but nevertheless where do you guys think is going on with overwatch like how, how does season three gonna work out what do you what, what do you feel like needs to happen right now for this game oh none of us play it so you don't um, have to go on for the in the long detail. <laughs> I still can't play it. I mean, <laughs> sorry. I think the big problem with Overwatch Two is that it doesn't feel as rewarding as Overwatch One. I mean, yeah, Overwatch One had loot boxes and it was totally random, but Overwatch Two has a battle pass and you progress through the battle pass and you do quests and you earn things as you go. But you don't you don't necessarily get as much out of that battle pass. So they added uh, in Overwatch One credits were kind of 
that was your currency and that was removed in Overwatch 2, but now it's been added back to Overwatch 2 as a currency you are awarded on the Battle Pass, which you can use to buy legendary skins. But it's if you do the whole Battle Pass, you'll get enough credits to buy one skin, I believe. So that's that's still not a lot. Uh, I think I think mostly Overwatch players just, you know, they want Overwatch 2 to feel as rewarding as Overwatch 1, and I don't think it does. And that's, I blame that on it being a free-to-play game, which means they're just, they're trying to get you to pay for everything one at a time. Fair. Liz, uh, Liz you are Liz. Joe, <laughs> anything else? I have nothing to add that Liz has not already said. Okay. Really briefly explain that I still can't play it. So I just want people to understand that. Uh, yeah. So it's still a thing that I'm having a struggle with, which is for whatever reason on my machine, which is not exactly a slouch of a computer. This, this thing is built for streaming and running cyberpunk 2077 at like the highest setting while streaming. When I try to play overwatch three, I literally get maybe five minutes of the game being open before it has maximized all available system memory and has started spilling over into my Windows page file. To the so point, it's Mozilla. It, it is. It makes Mozilla <laughs> and Chrome look like they're like chickens just pecking at hay comparatively. Like it, it is. It is ridiculous how much how much memory it consumes immediately. So like I've tried. I've tried to play so that I can make like an informed decision on it because uh, I hate giving an opinion or, or or talking about something that I don't have firsthand experience with. I just can't. Like I legitimately cannot. And like. Again, it's not like it's running a slouch of a machine. Like I'm, I'm sitting here at 32 gigs uh, of massive RAM. I have tons of storage. Like this should not be an issue in this day and age, and yet here we are. And there's nothing. There's no fixes. There's no anything about it. So no idea. No idea what, I, what what's going on with it. Uh, so yeah, just kind of upset that I don't even get to play. I just thought people should actually know that that kind of thing is happening so they understand. Uh, but now we're going to move into talking a little bit about World of Warcraft. Um, first off, Love is in the Air started yesterday as we're recording. That was the 6th of February. It's going until the 20th. And Liz just informed us via email because I, I did not know this. Uh, apparently they've made it so that the Love Rocket has a greatly increased chance of dropping on your first kill of the day. Is that that correct I, I your email is here but i don't want to scroll down because i'm lazy uh, <laughs> plus we're doing a podcast uh, yes <laughs> yes the first uh the first uh what does it drop in it drops in a heart-shaped box i believe the first heart-shaped box you get per day has a what blizzard calls a greatly increased chance of dropping the x45 heartbreaker mount which you all know as the giant pink rocket that everyone spends every hour of their day in February farming for without ever getting it. So maybe, maybe this year, maybe this uh, year is your, your year, your time. I'm going to say straight up, I've never wanted the love rocket because it is a giant pink rocket that I straddle. And that's just too much for me. Uh, straight up. Every uh, time, every it. time we talk about this, I keep thinking of the kiss song that I will not mention, yeah. but uh -huh. it just yeah. constantly plays on loop in my head. Mm -hmm. <laughs> It's just, yeah, no, I, I don't want it. Um, but I get why people want it. There's mount collectors who just want every mount. And there's people who love the idea of this ridiculous thing. And it is a ridiculous thing. But, you know, that's a lot of stuff in World of Warcraft is ridiculous. That's great. But so, yeah, if you're trying to get it at least once a day, you should try because you've got a greatly increased chance, apparently. Is that per character or per account? It sounds like, from my understanding, it sounds like it's per account. I could be wrong, though. 
Yeah, I think it would make sense for them to do it by account because it's an account wide mount and players have been cycling through alts like crazy to go get it and farm it in the past. Mm -hmm. So making it an increased chance in your first kill per like per account per day would make more sense than. Yeah, because then you don't feel like you got to go swap and kill it again. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. but that's why I asked. It does sound. It does sound like you can farm it if you want to. You can keep killing it over and over again with all of your alts. Yeah, but you don't oh, get yeah, the first chance. Yeah, yeah. They they specify that the first drop of the day you get an increased chance. Yeah, that makes which, sense. Uh, which could still be really low. We do not know. But while we're talking about all that, we do also know that on the 16th, which is apparently going to be a pretty busy day for Blizzard, um, they're lifting the Valor and Conquest caps for Season 1 of Dragonfly. If you've been riding up to the cap every week trying to get more Valor to upgrade your gear, that's going away. Uh, as of the 16th, which I believe is next week, because, um, yeah, yep. the 14th next will week, be... week, Thursday, because the 15th is my birthday. That, that's what they do to you. They, they, they play games with your heart. Yep. Uh, literally in this case. Um, but yeah, they're lifting the Valor and Conquest caps. So if you decide I'm going to run 100 Mythic Dungeons, well, hopefully someone will stop you. But, you know, you'll need to eat and, and use the bathroom, guys. Don't don't run 100 Mythic Dungeons. Run a few. But regardless, you, you can do so and get Valor for every single one of them, allowing you to basically just have as much Valor as you can get. Uh, and the same with conquest. You can you can run solo shuffle until your fingers bleed and your eyes scream. You can go do arenas until your you know loved ones try to find out what happened to you and why no one's heard from you in a year. Stuff like that. Uh, the only thing stopping you from doing these things is you. So please, please think of yourself and 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 don't go crazy <laughs> here. I mean, I've known people who the second a cap is off, have literally just spent like spent twenty four hours straight doing that thing. Don't 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 be that. Niche. Liz, how how quick how long do you think before we get a we see a doe on like constantly smart farming valor? What do you think? Uh, I mean, doesn't doesn't he already do that? That's kind of what it feels like <laughs> with the. <laughs> we our guild has a group of people who are just they seem to always be doing mythic plus, and I'm like I cannot maintain that level of time or enthusiasm. But some people really enjoy it. More so, yeah. power to them. Now they can get more upgrades. Please remember to use the facilities and get food and get up and walk around a little bit. You know, these are all important things. We're all getting older, guys. You, you can't just sit there for 20 hours and you, you actually need to get up and move around or your body will hurt you. So just just a, a tip from old Grouchy here. Keep that in mind. <laughs> but while we know that that's happening, uh, we should probably talk about the, uh, the class changes coming in, I think, today. Uh, 10.0.5 uh, maintenance was when they would have already been introduced. These are changes that were originally in 10.0.7's PTR, and now they're being introduced in 10.0.5. So they're still on the 10.0.7 PTR, but they're part of the the game right now. Though uh, I looked at them, they mostly seem to be damage fixes. Uh, they they're interesting. Um, I don't have any like really trenching criticism about them based on one brief reading. I think if I were a blood DK, I'd be real happy. Um, <laughs> Which, you know, quite frankly, blood decays are cool. I, I have a blood decay. I, I should use it more. Um, so, yeah, I didn't I didn't see anything so, in here that really grabbed my attention, though. Liz, did you, Joe? I'll, take my, I, I'll my, take my 10%. My biggest my biggest problem with this patch is that when uh, they they wrote the hotfix notes for this, my guild leader came on and said, hey, Liz, you're getting a nerf. Uh wait, hey, Liz, you're getting a buff. And I scrolled through. I'm like, wow, I'm getting a buff. What am I getting? And it's it's a buff for fists. So uh, 
that's my my heart fell. I know, I know. You're getting nerfed. No, you're getting buffed, but it's not a good buff. Wow. We're, we're up. We're down. <laughs> I, Go ahead. Go ahead, I'll, Joe. Or, <laughs> I mean, mine's easy. I'm just getting a temp, like a 10% healing buff to uh, like what? Three things. So overall healing, healing surge. surge, chain heal is getting a 10% buff. And for restoration, healing wave, healing rain, and overflowing shores is going to be increased by 10%. I'll, I'll take whatever I can get at this point. Close that gap with evokers. That's that's what I want. <laughs> uh, I I don't think it's possible in gap with yeah, evokers. They for, are just for those they're you, way up there. For those of you at home, like I'm not a bad healer. Liz is not a bad healer, and yet evokers. No, I, no, no I, stop, stop. You are not a bad healer. Shush. <laughs> uh, evokers, like our, our guild leader, uh, is is an evoker who I don't think I've really known stop to heal very often. Uh, prior to this, on average, he hits about 30k heal per second more than we do. On average, that's why I'm like, give give us buffs. I need them. Close the gap just a little bit. Just, just let me feel like it's possible that I can catch up and surpass. <laughs> just, just give me that little hint of possibility, please. I, I find myself wondering how much of that is the raw ability to cast on the move. It, a lot of it, almost all of it. Staff. Almost I mean, all of it. I I played a. a, a I want to say resto evoker. That's not what they're called. Um, <laughs> preservation. Whatever the healing. Preservation. preservation. I played a preser- preservation evoker on the uh, beta, and I didn't. I didn't like it enough to switch to it or anything. But my God, the sheer mo- mobility of them and the damage ability while healing were yeah. both like crazy. I was like, I cannot believe I it, can do this much damage while I'm healing things. It is. It is a yeah. massive boon to healing classes. Like even druids who are very mobile healers even they're getting outperformed by evokers, which is ridiculous. And it's because it's just, they have so many options for like big bomb heals on the move. So yeah. Yeah. It is something I noticed and thought, wow, this is amazing. So, so I'll take my 10%. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be grateful. I'm going to, I'm going to drink from that cup. Uh, I'm secretly going to hold out that cup and and beg for more later, but I'll take my 10% now. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think that, yeah, with that, that's basically, Oh, go ahead. What? One thing I am way more excited about, which came out uh, like really right before the podcast, is uh, Paladin changes in patch 10.0.7. They are doing a big rework of Retribution, but they're also doing um, they're doing some other changes. And we don't have the full picture yet, but one of the things they are doing is moving Divine Toll to the class tree instead of being on each individual spec tree, which was always a little weird. Uh, It's being moved to the class tree. And that's going to, I think that's going to be interesting. It's going to open some interesting possibilities up in how our spec trees work. I'm really looking forward to seeing what Holy Spec Tree is going to look like, how they're rearranging things. And it also looks like they're actually making Retribution Aura useful, for which I think that's very interesting, because one of the things I don't like about paladins in general is you have four different auras and only one of them is ever useful to anyone. Yeah, here's the one so where nobody, like, you take less damage. Hope you like it, because that's yeah. the one you're getting. <laughs> well, that that's the only one that gives us any value whatsoever. So yeah, that's the one I'm clicking. No, that's fair. I am look forward to seeing it. Maybe I'll actually start leveling my paladin who has been sitting there after my four warrior burst to 70, the paladin's <laughs> been like, it's my turn now, right? No. Why not? I'm right here. You 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 took me through all the pre-expansion events. I'm set to go. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just 
I hate you. Yeah, you should. But uh, at this point, we should move on and possibly get to actually some questions this week. Um, as is usually the case, if you've got a question for the show, you can send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. That's the email address for the show. Uh, please let us know what's for this show and not the other shows, because at this point, Lore Watch has become this gigantic behemoth, and I can't possibly hope to defeat it. Uh, so you've got to gotta please let me know if the questions for this show. Otherwise, I'm just stealing questions from Lore Watch. I didn't do that this week, but man, it was tempting. I just knew Joe would we, catch We me. fluctuate. Like some weeks, yeah. some weeks I have to steal from the main show, some weeks Matt has to steal from the lore show. It but, but I don't I don't care. I just complain about the stuff that affects me personally. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, if you don't want to use email, uh, there's there's our lovely Discord, which is a nice community full of great people. So if you want to hang out and chat with us, you know, sometimes we even like talk there. Well, I, I do occasionally. I think Joe talks a lot more and Liz, of course, because she's kind of in charge and has to. But I, I'm very bad at being social, so I hide a lot. And then I come on and go, here's a lot of transmogs. And then I go back into my cave like a punks of <laughs> fill of transmog. Uh, but regardless, you can go to there and you can go to our podcast uh Q and podcast questions channel, which is for everybody, patrons, not patrons alike. You can ask a question there if you want. If you are a patron, however, since you guys help us have a site to do anything with, um, we do look to your channel first. That's the patron Q and podcast questions channel. Uh, you can ask a question in there again if you're a patron, and we will we look at them first. Uh, and this time, I'm going to basically say, Liz, you read this one. Uh, okay, well, the first question is from Roxy, but I feel like we kind of answered this one. Um... I, I will roll it out and see if we have any more thoughts on that because Roxy was kind enough to send us this question this afternoon. And this was actually the way I learned about this news because I did not know it before Roxy posed this question. Question for the podcast. Blizzard just announced this morning that they are switching Hearthstone Mercenaries into maintenance mode. Yeah, Roxy posted this question and I said, what? <laughs> okay, continuing reading. What do you think were the biggest flaws of the game and what might this mean for any other mobile games Blizzard is developing, i.e. Arclight Rumble? Also, when was the last time we got an update on Arclight Rumble and why are they so quiet on that front? From your friend, Roxy. I think we can answer I the second feel like part we of covered that. this. We didn't really yeah. cover Arclight Rumble that much, just to mention that it Not existed and they haven't talked about it. Mm-hmm. Do I, why do we, uh, let's go for the angle of why do we think they are not talking about Arclight Rumble after the initial announcement? It has not been, there hasn't been much news about it. What, what do you think is going on there? Like, are they, they we, we actually have to do posts telling people it hasn't been canceled. So what's the deal? Why are they so quiet on they, this front? They have done a few gameplay patches since announcement. It has been in beta. It's been in beta for quite a long time at this point. And every couple of months, they seem to be rolling out a new patch, but it's it's pretty quiet. It's not like there's a big announcement about it because it's still in beta and they just aren't hyping it. I don't know why they aren't hyping it. Like I said earlier, I think it's a real fun game. Concerned about how it's going to be monetized, but I think it's super fun. Uh, and I think there's a lot of room for hype here. It's, it's a really fun little team battler. I think it has to do with them figuring out licensing. So hmm. I, I think that a lot of the lack of hype is them still going through and trying to figure out how it's going to be distributed, where it's going to be going through, what hoops they have to go through in order to uh, get it approved. And also because the game isn't released yet, if it's going to release or is involved in like the auspice of uh, whether or not uh, Microsoft slash purchasing Activision Blizzard 
uh, or ABK is constituting a monopoly, I'm not sure that they can do a whole lot with it still right now because there was no release date announced. There was no like it's ready to go or anything like that. And that might affect how licensing is perceived or how licensing is doled out, like whether or not it can go to the Apple store or in the, the Android play or the Google play store and things like that. So there might be an element of uncertainty with everything else that's going on. So that might be why we haven't heard a whole lot about it and why it's not super hyped. They might not know. Also the stuff with Netties may have thrown some of that into uh question as well, because if they don't have a, distributor for what is probably the largest mobile market what are they going to do so yeah, that, that's I mean, my two it cents is, it is a mobile game so it does it really has to go on the apple store and the google play store i mean that's just not going to be an option to not do those things right but it has to go through the approval process and it has to get verified right so like if anything is preventing the- it from doing so that 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 puts a damper on it. But they could still hype it. They could still make posts about it. They And they just aren't. They haven't. Even since it's like there was an initial wave of beta invites and there's been, you know, nothing yeah. since then. So it's just very strange. But I mean, is it though? Like, look at how players react to when something does get hyped and then has to get pushed back, right? Versus if you don't know what's going on with it and you don't have a solid idea or plans have changed, not hyping it until you know what's going on because pushing it back might be more detrimental to the release of it than just not getting the hype up in the first place. Right. Does that, does that make sense? You understand what I'm trying to say? That does make sense, but I don't entirely agree with you. Okay. I I just don't think blizzard in the past. I've seen corporations don't have that kind of foresight when it comes to their hype. Like they hype. Yeah. They they just do. They're like, you know, here, here's a more hype, more hype. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I really feel like Blizzard ha- doesn't always do a very good job of communicating. And I think that is more of a problem than hype, necessarily. Like, when we were all getting hyped about Overwatch. But there was a lot of question about what Overwatch 2 even was. And then when it got here, and it was something different than what we thought it would be, because there'd been all this miscommunication about what it was, what direction it was going. It's I mean, there was some disappointment. Like, I remember you, Joe, saying that you thought Overwatch 1 was going to keep being around and you could play it, but now it's Overwatch 2, which yeah, you can't they play. Because that's what they originally said, right? Like, they were originally making it yeah. seem like that when, when old Kaplan was still around. Yeah, and I think the community is part of the problem because we do latch on to things developers say and we, oh, we do. get Absolutely. really angry and yell at people and make it really unpleasant. And that makes developers not want to tell us anything, which makes us even more likely to grab onto the littlest scrap of information and hang on to it like it's the gospel. But like it's it's a it's a perpetuating cycle. The fact that developers don't talk to us means that we cling on to every little bit of information means that we get really upset when things change because we didn't know anything about this. It's just very sudden we heard this, like we saw this in a tweet that was mentioned like three months ago and we haven't heard anything else, so we're just clinging to this. And I think, I really feel like the solution is more communication to keep saying things, to say, okay, this is what we're working on, this is the direction we're going, and you know, they change their mind, they get a new direction, they make another post and they keep us in the loop. You know By th- keeping us in the loop, uh, you know, you avoid those miscommunications. You have this open line of communication 
And I think that's really a better way to do it, but you kind of have to have the community on board. Look at the Diablo 4 developer updates for a good example of of them. You know, even when stuff was changing and stuff was, was happening, they kept putting that thing out like pretty quarterly, like, you know, four times a year. Here's, here's, here's what we can tell you now. And, and it kept people, I'm stopping. It wasn't a small, yeah, it wasn't a small thing. It was a big meaty update with lots of information every time. Mm Mm-hmm. And for that matter, some of it changed. Like the, yeah. there's been like iteration throughout. Uh, I remember the big change was like, oh, these items aren't working the way we want them to. So we're making a change to how items will be working. And nobody got upset about it because it was just put there. It was just flat out. This is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. I'm not saying that they have to do that for everything, but I'm saying that that's a good model to follow if you do so. Um, having those updates is really did, I think, keep the Diablo 4... Uh, pace on an even keel. For, but I think at this point we got time for one more and Joe's here. So Joe, read the next one, please. Okay. This comes from 6K. Uh, if the Emerald Dream is a spiritual background to our world that allows the great cycle to reset persist, is there an equivalent to that for the old gods that allows them to maintain in Immaterium? Matt said he wasn't stealing any from Lorewatch, then he lied. It uh, says Q for whatever right on the front. He didn't say it was from Lorewatch. He said for whatever. Ah, uh, yes. Matt Matt does not understand how to read and put context to things. I forgot about that. I, just I, I understand how to use like the rules to my advantage, and that does not say Lorewatch. So, boom. Answer the question. I'm not healing six can right anymore. Um... <laughs> Uh, I mean, maybe we don't know. I mean, the problem is with the old gods is the old gods are the like they are what happens when you take pure void and throw it into the materium. Right. So there is a vast difference between them and, say, the void lords while they, quote unquote, serve the void. Matt and I have talked about this for a while. It really isn't that they serve the void. They serve themselves. They, they're completely different entities than what they started out to in the first place. And maybe that's part of the void's plan. Maybe it's not part of the void's plan. Um, but I also don't know that they necessarily need their own Emerald Dream because we've already seen them co-opt our Emerald Dream. They're already part of our world. They've they've co-opted Titan facilities. They've co-opted that that particular backup plan. We don't know what the void looks like when it goes into other realms either, because we know that the void can go to other realms. Uh, last expansion, the void showed us that it could get to Shadowlands, and it could cause a lot of trouble. It could do a lot of things that nobody wanted it to do. Uh, it, you know, looking at you, Bastion. So. What if it goes somewhere else? What if it goes into the elemental plane of life? Where if it goes to uh, any of those other spheres of existence that are out there? What does that look like? What does what does a void entity stain there turn it into? But I think that's one of the most key important things to really bear in mind is that the old gods are not void. They are made of void, but they are different. They have evolved past yeah. it. Another way to look at it is, is really simple. Void at its basic heart is non-existence. It, it's like a null sector. It's void. It is literally a void. There, mm-hmm. there is, it, it is nothing. It is nothing as a thing. Um, but you can't have nothing as a thing in the material ex- plane. You can't have it where things actually are. Because we don't, li- we don't live in a, in a realm of ideas and concepts the way that people in the Shadowlands exist in such a place. And the other the, such cosmic planes are similar in that they are conceptual. But the, the plane that, Maz- that Azeroth is in is physical and, and imminent. Uh, and as a result of that, 
when you throw a void entity there, you'll notice that the, the old gods are masters at twisting, co-opting, and corrupting, not at creating. They don't make things. They make things worse. They're like the Arthur Daniels Midland of, of you know, evil. So they're like Arthur Daniels. But regardless, they don't they don't make, you know, the Naraki. They just corrupt like, you know, Azerothian life into the Naraki. They don't make, you know, the 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 Emerald Dream. They just turn part of it into the Rift of Elm. They don't make uh their own plane of existence. They just grab hold of the ones the Titans are making. They 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 twist things. They they they're sim I think it was they were called necrophotic symbiotic parasites. Mm-hmm. That's what they are. They're parasites. They're they don't make anything. They just use what other things have made. So yeah, that would be. I don't think they have their own plane. I think they're more like a record scratch. Like to me, seriously, an old god is like a record scratch. You're listening to an album, and if you don't know what a record scratch was, re- music used to be played on wax discs, and the whiz- discs had little grooves in them that a needle would read and make the sound. I know it sounds insane, but this actually happened, <laughs> and it's still happening in some places. Uh, but a record scratch would therefore, when the needle hit it, the scratch didn't have any design to it. It didn't have all the stuff you need to make a communicable sound. And so when the needle would hit it, it would just make a scratch noise or skip or otherwise be thrown off. That's the old gods. They are like a record scratch on the face of Azeroth. So yeah, that's me. I don't think, Liz, I don't think you care, but if you do, now's a good time to talk. I have no idea all of this flew right over my head because I don't do Warcraft lore. That's y'all's domain. I mean, I think that's a lie considering uh, guild chat earlier today, but we're going to we're not getting into that now. <laughs> I I know I know a lot about very tiny subsets of information that interest me and about the broader picture I know nothing. Man, Joe was playing inside baseball. Really. <laughs> <Unfair>. <laughs> But anyway, uh, okay. I think at this point, see, we are we are running out of time. So uh, I'm going to ask Joe to do his his big closing event, and then I will take us out of here. Sure. Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at Patreon.com/slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means this podcast signing community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, better chance of having your question answered on our podcast with a queue, and an ads-free site experience. Thank you, Joe. And thank you, Liz. Uh, basically because you made the entire first part of this podcast happen. Uh, it was great. Uh, I did to do as little <laughs> as possible for like a solid 10 minutes and I'm super happy. about. It. Uh, thank you both. Uh, and thank you for everyone who sent in a question, including uh, Jack, Jack and LD soft who once again, I didn't get to your questions. I'm sorry. I will roll them forward. I promise. Eventually they will be answered. Uh, I will make this happen, uh, but regardless, <laughs> uh, thank you to everyone for listening and being here with us as we do the podcast. This has been the Blizzard Watch podcast. Uh, thank you guys again, and we'll be back next week.